G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Well, we're talking about hiring and firing staff today. And our special guest, Dr. Ken Byrne, is a corporate psychologist for over 40 years. He's co-author of a book which is called Hire Right First Time, a practical guide for staffing Christian organisations. Ken has personally evaluated over 3,000 candidates at all levels, from board positions, CEOs, senior and middle management, technical specialists, sales and management. He is our guest. Hey, Ken, I hope we've got our issues worked out with that technology. Well, it has a sound, Neil. I hope it's better. Hey, let's talk about some of those common Uh, challenges, those mistakes that we make when we are hiring people in our business. Where do you start with that? Well, there's a couple. The first one is that people start with the wrong question. They have an opening and they say things like, how are we going to get the right person? How do we attract people to this job? Do we know anyone in the organization we could promote? Now, all of those are good questions, but there's a very important question that most people overlook, and that is, What will it cost us if we hire the wrong person? Hiring mistakes are enormously expensive. What will it cost us if we hire the wrong person? So you ought not to rush in to hiring people. So does this mean you slow down the process? Absolutely. Uh, Churches hire quickly and they fire slowly. That formula should be reversed. We should be hiring slowly taking our time and the second common mistake is people hire without any thought to exactly what the system is going to be you need a an organized system so you should know in advance who's going to be on the panel uh how are you going to screen resumes are you going to do a telephone interview and what questions you're going to ask and each step should be laid out That just leads us into a very interesting thought, uh, that if you have a panel to do an interview, um, the people that you choose for the panel, you're not just dragging in someone just for the sake of having a panel member here. I imagine you want some special skills on your panel if you're going to be doing an interview. Absolutely. And the things you look for, first of all, the people on the panel should be known for their discretion. Can they keep information confidential? Secondly, can they work as a team? You don't want the person who always has to be right. Uh, third, you want people who, can, who are sensitive and can read other people. And you want people who can be open if they have any conflict of interest. Are they interviewing someone who they work with in the past, for example? Then the panel should know that. And the sort of skills that those panel members might need themselves, because you might have someone on the panel who just has an ability to read people. You know, there's that sort of, you know, discernment insight that someone might have, but they might not be specially qualified. Uh, But you might have someone who has some qualification, but 
they haven't necessarily got that ability to read people. Any thoughts here about, you know, the choice of person that you might have if you're running a small business or, you know, obviously there's some regulations uh, within some more corporate structures, but your thoughts here for the sort of person that you might choose? Well, I'm not terribly impressed by people who have qualifications because qualifications just mean you did well at school and you can do well at school and have no ability to read other people and be people blind and yet you got A's in all your courses. So people need to demonstrate the ability to pick up the subtleties and the nuances of interpersonal situations and I'd have that person any day over somebody with seven degrees. Okay, and to the person who is the candidate for the job and going for the interview and you said... Hire slowly, uh, fire quickly, I think is the other side of the coin here. Um, An interesting thing that somebody once said, it's easier to get married than divorced. Um, Does this sort of hold steady and hold true when you're actually employing people in organizations? Absolutely. Hiring is like a blind date, and the candidate should be giving their very best impression, which means... They have a big investment in keeping hidden anything that will be unflattering to them. Their job is to present themselves in the most favorable light. And the job of the interviewer is to discover anything unflattering that you need to know about before you make the decision. Because once you hire someone, you kind of are kind of, in a way, getting married to them. You're going to live with them 40 hours a week. Which might be longer than you actually live with your actual spouse. Hey, uh, interestingly, Ken, um, people are very good often at keeping those things hidden at the job yep. interview. Um, yes. You might also uh, even call some uh, interview applicants almost like professional job applicants because they can apply for a job well and do well in an interview, but they might not necessarily be the sort of person you're looking for. Uh, how do you discern that? Well, that's the heart of our book, and that's one of the things that prompted us to write this book because there's a whole bunch of techniques that you can learn to help you discover who the candidate really is. One of the things is having a structured interview with a series of questions that start off with very easy questions, but still give you information about the candidate. And I should say that what we're looking to do first is hiring people who have the right character. There's a lot of talk now about getting people with the right skills. That's an sense. I've never seen anyone fired because they didn't have the right skills. If they have the right attitudes, you teach them the skills. But you can't teach somebody to be kind. You can't teach someone to really want to contribute. Those are things built in in childhood. And this is an important element, isn't it, uh, for Christian businesses, uh, because there might be a tighter a regime on the way that you might want that character to be formed when they're going to be joining your organization. Is this something you think that maybe Christian organizations don't pay enough attention to as getting the character right? Uh, absolutely. I've seen it for 25 years talking to, to young Christian leaders and asking them about hiring mistakes. I gave a lecture recently to about 25 young Christian leaders, and I said, how many of you have worked with a hiring mistake? Every person raised their hand. 
I said, how many of you work for somebody who shouldn't have been in that leadership job? Every single person raised their hand. And I've seen that again and again and again. What about the questions you are allowed to ask and the ones you're not? Uh, As you say, you start off your job interview uh, with a set of simple questions where you are gleaning information. Uh, how do you how do you structure those? Have you got an example for us? Well, sure. At the, very, at the start, you say, <clears throat> how did you decide to apply for this job? And one of the things you want to find out is, is this person gravitating to you or are they gravitating to get away from something else? You'd much rather have someone wanting to come toward you than someone who's in a painful situation they want to get out of. Then in the middle, you can say, you want to find out the mistakes people made. But if you say, tell me about your mistakes, it doesn't get you very far. It's not very elegant. But if you say, we've all learned lessons in life. What are the three most important lessons you've learned in the last few years? And then they tell you the lessons they've learned. Then you say, how did you learn that lesson? Invariably, the lesson is due to a mistake that they've made. Of course, Ken, not everybody's a great communicator and uh, able to, just off the top of their head, uh, come up with three lessons and how you learn those. Uh, And yet they might be the person with the right character, but maybe not always the best communicator. Is there a way you can discern that as well? Well, that has to do with how you start the interview. And the way it should be started is to say, Uh, Neil, thank you for coming in to see us today. We appreciate doing that. My name is Ken, and I'll be interviewing with Sally and Bill. You see them here. Now, I'd like to tell you what we're going to do today. We'd like to get to know you as a person, and we'd like to ask you some questions to do that. And you'll find that I'll, I'll ask some questions, and Sally will, and then Bill will have a turn. And we might ask you some questions that you've seen before and are very common, We might ask you some questions that seem a little unusual. If there's any question we ask you you're uncomfortable with, feel free to skip it. Just tell us we'll skip it. Now, Neil, you might feel a little nervous at the beginning, and that's very common. So if you do, don't worry about that. I think you'll find that as we talk, we get to know one another. That'll just naturally drop away. Now, there are any questions you'd like to ask. Now, invariably, I've done this thousands of times, and you can see people visibly relax because you've told them what we're going to do, what the objective is. You've told them they don't have to answer any questions. Um, <clears throat> you've given them the chance to ask, ask, ask questions. And you say at the end, there'll be plenty of time when we're finished to ask any questions you have. Now, if you start that way, you're already, and you're telling the person, don't worry if you're nervous. We know you're probably nervous. That'll just fall away as we speak. That sets the tone to develop rapport with the candidate. <clears throat> so you want to get your candidate talking and sharing something personal of themselves that's going to give you some clues about the sort of character this person has before you actually uh, sign the dotted line and uh, and uh, you know come up with some sort of employment uh, contract. The culture of your organisation Um, You know, I guess you've got to have people on a panel who are very familiar with the culture of your organisation. Otherwise, uh, you could miss uh, some of those cues, miss some of those signals. And so having a well-developed culture in your organisation and for the people on that interview panel, that's going to be an important element, isn't it, uh, when you're actually gleaning that detail about your candidate? 
Yes, and those people should be able to reflect the culture of the organization because you want to develop trust with the candidate and that begins the very first contact you have with them. And so the people on the panel need to reflect the fact that they are people who can be trusted. Ken, I wanted to ask you about uh, the issue of prayer, um, because we don't always think of prayer as being something important in the hiring and firing of someone in our organisation. Sometimes I guess uh, you're building up an an impression over time and uh, you come to a point where you say, this is what we need to do. What are your thoughts here so far as prayer as an important ingredient, uh, for, especially, obviously, for Christian organizations? Well, of course, I can only, <clears throat> I can only give you my, my perspective as a Christian psychologist. I'm not a pastor or a theologian. Having said that, <clears throat> I think it's very important that we pray together as a panel beforehand. Uh, and then I think if it's appropriate to the organization, I'll bring the candidate in and pray with them. And here you have an opportunity to sow the seeds of what you're looking for. You can uh, pray and ask God's guidance and God's discernment and pray for the candidates to have the courage to present the real self that they have uh, because we want to get to know them as a real person. We want to go beyond just the skills that they have. And that prayer also signals the candidate that you want to get to see the real person. And you can tell a lot from a person's prayer. And uh, interestingly, when you are a Christian organization and you're looking to employ a Christian who will carry the values and the culture of your organization, the way that they will conduct themselves in that prayer could be very telling. It can be. You can learn a lot from that. But you've raised an interesting legal question there, and that is, Only certain organizations can say we only hire Christians. And you can very easily, without getting legal advice beforehand, step into a a minefield. Okay, well, it's almost news time. Uh, Just to leave listeners uh, with a scripture here, and I want to invite listeners to participate in our conversation. What are your thoughts? Have you been hiring or firing uh, candidates in your organisation? Just to come to a scripture from Luke chapter 6. Luke wrote in his gospel, and it was at this time that he, Jesus, went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when the day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also named as apostles. So it's, uh, it's, this is something, isn't it, uh, that uh, Jesus is the one who actually leads the way here, spent the night in prayer before calling those 12 disciples. Let's take a call or two. Kay is in Gilgandra in New South Wales. Hey, Kay, welcome along. Hello. It's lovely to hear your program, and I love vision. <laughs> Thank you, um, Kay. I agree. I agree with everything that's been said. I've been working in nursing homes since 1993, and I pray all the time for the staff that come in, and at different times I've prayed, Lord, if they're not right, may they get a new job, and they do. But <laughs> I, I also wanted to say that I believe for all of us, we need to, in all our ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct our path. And we needed a painter and we didn't know any painters in town. 
and I laid my hand on the list of the painters and said, Jesus, which one will I ring? And I rang the right one, and he needed a miracle, and he's had a miracle, and we've been friends ever since, and that's 15 years ago. Wonderful insight there, Kay. A couple of things I'm sure uh, that our special guest might like to pick up on. Um, And I'll I'll throw to you anyway, Ken. uh, Your thoughts here for Kay? Well, I think it's wonderful that your faith has guided you and been such a blessing uh, to you and to your staff. The, The question is, how did people who are not right for the job get in the front door? Yes, that's the hard thing, yes. And then I guess if you do the right things at the beginning, you'll save a lot of headaches later. Is that the case, Ken? Yes, uh, I uh, did a lot of work with aged care. and In fact, I developed a, 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 test, a brief testing and a, a structured interview format for aged care. And what I found is that everyone was under such pressure and so overworked that hiring was given very minimal time. People are hiring people based on a 20-minute interview. And if you compare that with Bunnings, if you want to sell hardware, it takes two months to get through their hiring process. Now, <clears throat> most people are somewhere between those two, but 20 minutes is not enough to make a hiring decision. No, that's right. Yes, uh, yes. Let me let me ask here, because uh, Kay indicated, I mean, there's a certain sense of uh, prayer um, you know, Lord, uh, if this person's not right, move them on. And uh, Kay said, well, that can happen. Um, there's this image you might have of the person who hires and fires being like the bloodthirsty ogre who's ready to drop the axe on another head, uh, you know, to just put things harshly there. Uh, is there, for the Christian who's hiring and firing, uh, a particular sort of persona that you need to have? I mean, firm but, uh, but fair. Uh, thoughts from you here, Ken? Well... <clears throat> The the question with firing is you have to first ask, has this person been given the right training for the job? If they haven't, then training them is the the next episode. Uh, The next question is, can they do the job and are they willing to do the job? And if the person is not willing to do the job or has some character flaw, invariably people are fired because of character limitations that don't match the organization then they need to be moved on kindly, with grace and compassion, but without hesitation. The the business of give them some more time, some more experience, they'll grow into it. If there's a character flaw, for example, a person who, when something goes wrong, always blames somebody else, or the person who can't accept feedback, that isn't going to change with time. And... Keeping them on is not a savings because while they're there, they're often doing damage to the other staff and you have to protect the other staff. Kay, anything more to add from what you mentioned? I agree with all that. And Christians, we need to do everything with love. And literally there was a a bully 15 years ago in where I worked and I prayed that the Lord would move them on and get a better job. And I bumped into her down the street, and that's exactly what happened. Okay, there's a prayer answered. Prayer. 
Kay, thank you so much for your insight. Uh, Kay in Gilgandra, and our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. What are your thoughts around hiring and firing when you are a Christian and you are the boss? It might be your business or you might be just in that responsibility for the organisation you work for. Uh, what are your thoughts? 1-800-316-316. Come back to Ken. Uh, Ken, the thought that prayer is not a substitute for doing your job properly um, what are your thoughts here about the interaction of your prayer and your trust in God and some of the due diligence that you have to have around hiring people and, and making sure that staff are doing the right thing and performing in the culture of your organisation well <clears throat> we trust in God ultimately and we look for God's guidance But this is not a substitute for doing the necessary work to prepare for and conduct a proper screening and hiring system. Uh, It's like the child who doesn't do their homework and then the night before prays fervently that God will help them pass the exam. I don't think God's terribly impressed with that. God says, well, do the work as well. Be in this with me. Um, And Hiring, if you're a leader or a manager or a supervisor, there's nothing more important to your success and the organization's success than hiring the right people. Nothing is more important. Now, some people have challenges just understanding what it is to hear the voice of God. And uh, we might point people to, you know, a reading of the Bible or a time of prayer and waiting to hear some, uh, you, know, uh, you know, word to the inner, inner person. Um, hearing God in the hiring process, is there something you encourage uh, Christian bosses to, to look for or to develop as a skill in their, in their ability to hear God in a hiring process? Well, <clears throat> I think the, 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 the best I can think of is being able to hear the candidate And most people consider themselves to be good listeners. There's been a lot of research on this, and we are all terrible listeners. Um, Some are better than others, but very few people really listen. Um, And again, in terms of choosing staff, you want people who are able to listen. Um, And this listening, I think, also goes with listening to one's inner voice, and listening to the voice of God operating through us. Um, <clears throat> I know that I know that some organisations work on a sort of a traffic light system. Uh, there's a red light here for this particular candidate, or uh, it's a green light. Uh, sometimes there's this thought: there's an amber light. It might be just time to wait because we're not absolutely sure. Any thoughts here for how you might be able to just sort of simply work out a system for uh, whether you give the go-ahead? Because if you've got an interview panel, you might even have a divided panel. Uh, one person might say, yes, this is the best candidate. Someone else says, uh, well, I've got a bit of a, uh, a an amber or a red light here. And then you've got something to resolve, even dispute, even division in your own panel. Any thoughts here about how you manage that? Yes, I'm, I'm strongly of the view that hiring decisions should only be made when all of the panel agree. Because what typically happens is, let's say two people think we should hire this person. One says, I have some doubts. 
What that means is that that person is accessing something in the candidate that the others may be missing. And this needs to be discussed and resolved. And the way to resolve it, and again, we describe this in detail in the book, is to have a system for laying out all the information you've gathered about the candidate. So that includes what was said in the phone call, phone interview, what was said during the actual interviews, what other staff input has been about them, what comments they've gleaned about them. If it's someone who is doing any sort of supervision, they should meet people who they're going to be supervising. They should meet peers in the group. And all those people should be able to, you know, that we have some forms that they fill out and all that information needs to be put together. And then we talk about using intuition and how you educate and inform your intuition about the candidate. And not un- not uncommonly, you have a divided panel that needs to be resolved. What are your thoughts here as, uh, you know, a psychologist of 40 years uh, to be able to explore that concept of intuition? And if you're prayerful about the sort of candidate that you want and uh, you're going to make a decision that's going to something that's going to impact your organisation, what role do you think intuition has? And is that something you think, uh, you know, is a, is a godly thing? Well, I think it can be godly. Um, intuition means we know something without knowing where it came from. We just have a, an impulse about someone. And I, I think about it as, assume you're walking in the city where you live. It's dark. You're walking down the street. And you see someone coming towards you and you intuitively think this person is dangerous. But you can't really say how or why you get that impression. In hiring, we ask a couple of questions. We say, um, assume that you're, you're sailing a ship from Sydney to, uh, to Melbourne. And you know how to sail. And the, the, it takes a crew of six or 12, whatever number you want. You have only one space left. Would you want this person to be on your ship? And then you get a series of questions. How would they deal with stress? How would they deal with being told to do something they'd rather not do? Would they do their share of the work? How would they get along with the other people? And this takes a, a, a vague hunch. And as you answer those questions, you begin to develop a picture of the person in your unconscious mind throws up ideas about this person. Now, that doesn't mean that you should make a decision on that. But that's important data you should put in with all the other information you have. When you talk about mistakes that you can make as a Christian organization, you might be the person who hires and fires in your organization. Um, sometimes your short list has come down to three candidates and you think that you're going to find one of those is going to be a great candidate. Um, you go through the interview process and you might be... You might have a, an amber light or a red light on all three. Uh, what are your thoughts here for you know the risk that you take by just taking the best of three, even though they might not actually, uh, they might not all uh, at all uh, fit the sort of criteria you know you need. Well, this comes down to people when they're when they're under pressure and they have to fire, hire someone. They they almost say, well, somebody is better than than nobody. But the question really is, is anybody okay? Is the next workplace bully the person you want to hire? Or the next place worker, the next worker's compensation claim? 
or the next high sick leave user, is that adequate for you? And the answer is clearly not. And if you have three finalists and they all have amber or red lights, it means you need to go back and start again and look at what's your attraction strategy and what's your what's your um, what are you offering people? And usually Christian organizations aren't paying the best, but people don't come to work for Christian organizations for money. They come for value, for meaning. And are you in your advertising selling what your organization stands for? And are you giving examples of, of something that people can be part of that's bigger than themselves? So this culture and the reputation of your organization, you've got to work hard to actually make sure that candidates know in advance that this is the sort of organization that they're going to work for. Is there some sort of special communication you need to have before an interview with those particular candidates? Well, actually, I wouldn't make a big deal of explaining that to the candidate. I'd want to, one of the questions would be, what do you know about our, our organization? You find some people say, gee, I've read your website and I see this and this and this, and I was wondering why you do in this direction. Other people say, well, I've heard it's a good place to work. Those are two very different candidates. Uh, let me take you to uh, the situation, and I'm sure uh, that there are organizations that are in this boat uh, where you've hired people that looked good and you've discovered that they're not as good as they did sound or look on that day of the interview. Um, yes. You know, do you then say, well, I need to fire those people or do I need to work with those people in such a way as their professional development has a spiritual dimension to it that that uh, that brings out the best in the sort of things that I'm looking for? What do you do when you've already got people on your staff and they may not be performing at the level that you need them to? Well, then you need to do a diagnosis of what's the nature of the problem. If the problem is, for example, a lack of maturity or in a lack of experience with this particular kind of work that you're doing, uh, that those are things people can grow into, and it's worth putting in time in trying to develop them. However, if the problem is a character flaw, such as the lazy person, the person who doesn't have a sense of genuine care for other people, if that's part of the job, or someone who, as we said earlier, when things go wrong, their response is to figure out who they can blame because it's never their fault. Those are the kind of character problems that are not going to change. And I, I don't think, as a, as a general proposition, it's worth investing a lot of time or money in that, in that kind of person. I would look to find a different job, preferably, or to move them on. Ken, only a few minutes left for our conversation and I know you have all sorts of thoughts uh, and it's been great gleaning your wisdom here. Uh, you like to also talk about what are the 10 common reasons for hiring mistakes. Uh, we might yes. not have time for a whole 10 of those, but uh, but in the uh, the last few minutes of our conversation, uh, what are the things that, you know, if you're a if you're a Christian business person, you're hiring staff, uh, you might even be looking at hiring or firing now. I mean, some uh, businesses will be thinking about uh, hiring for Christmas. 
Others will be yeah. saying we're headed for, you know, the cost of living crisis is deepening and I've got to right-size the, the sorts of things we have with our staffing. Uh, what are these sorts of uh, 10 common reasons for hiring mistakes that you can uh, that you can identify? Well, I mentioned a couple in the living town we have. One is a lack of training. It's assumed because someone becomes a leader, they know how to hire people. Nothing could be further from the truth. Um <clears throat> Simply reading a book will open your eyes. And again, we wrote this book for that purpose, to help people open their eyes. And I should mention that this is a a kingdom project. We're not in this to make money. Most of the profits of this go to the publisher, which is our leadership. Uh, But you need to educate yourself about how to hire people. Secondly, for Christian organizations, compassion can override obligations to existing staff. I've seen again and again people being hired out of compassionate reasons, but we forget the potential damage they can do to your existing staff, to your clients, to your reputation. Um, The other one is when you're desperate, anyone looks good. Well, not anyone is good enough. Um, The other one is, is we hire people for skills. They have a degree. They have a past experience like this, or we hire them because they're nice people. We like them or they're referred by someone we trust. Invariably, we hire people for what they know, and then we fire them for who they are. And the task of of hiring is to find out who this person really is. Uh, The next one is we, we rush to hire because people don't think about hiring as part of their job. I mean, I'm, I'm in charge of communications, and while I'm hiring, I, my, all this work is piling up. I have to get back to my real job. But nothing's more important than hiring. That is your real job, in my view. So we need to take our time and do it properly and thoroughly. Well, great insights. And as I mentioned when I was introducing Ken a little earlier, uh, this is the sort of book that's described as a, a godsend for Christian organizations. And I know that there'll be listeners who are thinking, I need to get a hold of this. And if this is the book I read that's going to give me the skills or is going to upgrade my capacity to be able to hire right first time, uh, that will be a real benefit. The book is called Hire Right First Time, a practical guide for staffing Christian organizations. Uh, Dr. Ken Byrne is the author, and I mentioned uh, he's personally evaluated over 3,000 candidates at all levels in all sorts of organizations. He teaches in the Arrow Leadership Program on how to hire the right people and how to manage poor performers. He's worked with some leading organizations like the 3M Company and ANZ Bank, Optus. Coles Meyer and the Walt Disney Corporation and he's trained over 2,000 professionals in techniques of selecting staff. You can connect with Ken at arrowleadership.org.au. His uh, lecture with Arrow Leadership, as I mentioned, arrowleadership.org.au. But to get a hold of the book, it'll be available at online booksellers. It's called Hire Right First Time, a practical guide for staffing Christian organizations. And and together there is a a free 120-page user guide uh, that this book shows you exactly how to choose the right people. So it'll be a very valuable asset to any Christian organization. Uh, Wonderful getting your insights once again. Dr. Ken Byrne, thanks so much for being with us on 2020. Thank you for the invitation, Neil. It's been a pleasure to be with you as always. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.